a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X Podcast, Toronto Supercross Wrap-Up. Yay, Canada. Thanks for listening, everybody. Really appreciate it. We're going to break down Toronto Supercross from every angle, every which way, but loose. And uh, and thanks for listening. Yeah, again, appreciate it. Flyracing.com. They make much more than gear, everybody. Snowmobile stuff, which is still going. It's March, but hey, still snow on the ground in some places. Mountain bike parts, hard parts, uh, levers and, and stands and motor stands and uh, handlebars and lots of cool stuff from the folks at flyracing.com. The official gear of the Rocky Mountain KTM team, uh, official gear of Trey Kennard, official gear of Weston Pike, official gear of Adam Entignap, official gear of Tyler Entignap, official gear of a lot of guys out there, including Ronnie Ford. All right, everybody, thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I'm Steve Mathis with me on the line from flyracing.com, Western Power Sports. Uh, he was in Toronto, and uh, he will talk about it now. What's up, JT? much. Speaking of snow, it was snowing here yesterday, and let me be the first to say that I'm over it. I am done with winter. You can <laughs> F off at any time. All right. Also on the line from uh, MX Sports and Racer X and uh, the, the TV set each and every week, it seems like, the Jason Wygant. Yeah. Who did not go to Toronto. Maybe, uh, did not no, go, go to, to Toronto. No. Uh, speaking of the cold weather, I was enjoying... 71 degrees in the woods of the GNCC opener for two days and uh, earned myself a trophy for the first time. I really only go there to race them. I claim that I'm going there for work purposes. That's actually just a lie. But uh, the bosses don't listen to this show, so I'm good. Yeah, shocking, JT, how the voice of the GNCC series somehow earns himself a trophy at the race. Like, hey, Weege, six miles in, go right. Cut across three miles, rejoin the trail. Right? JT? Pretty typical. Yep. Yep. I would I would do that, but talking to someone before the race means they're probably gonna ask me to do work. So I don't talk to anyone. I sneak in, I start I don't I don't talk to anybody. And uh, in fact I was on the starting line and I'm talking to this guy, whoever else is in my class, and he's like, Hey, everyone ever tell you you look like the announcer? And I'm like, that's actually me. And he's like, really? You're just back here in the C-class, like, by yourself? Like, you don't, you don't have a mechanic or anybody helping at all? I'm like, no, that's on purpose. I don't want to talk to anybody until I'm done because they'll make me work and not race. So, I'm out. Wouldn't it be funny if Ralph was your mechanic? I kind of feel like uh, I kind of feel like that's the case sometimes. He does sabotage me here and there. Um, uh, what'd you get? What place did you get? How'd you do? Uh, I got sixth place in the 30-plus uh, C-class. Nice. Nice work. That's the, that's the, um, the PB, 
personal best. Now, uh, Russell lost, right? Caleb Russell lost. Was this a big deal? Yeah, it really was. It's kind of straight up. Um, this dude, Stu Baylor, who, uh-huh. let me try to put it in. I don't know. I'm, we're, we'll be trying to be brief on this off-road thing, so I'm sure everybody's like, come on. But uh, how can I put this? Where would he be? This would be like uh, Justin Barsha getting his mojo back. That's what it would be. Like Baylor came to the ranks. He was good. He was fast. He was there. And then all fell apart. And he all of a sudden at round one this year said, oh, I'm here to put the pressure on. I'm here to win. And then he actually did it. So that's what it would be the equivalent of. Like Barsha all of a sudden just beating Dungeon Anaheim one. So definitely a big deal. Um, So he's talented. He's good. But he's lost his mojo over the last little while. He had, uh, like, his rookie year, he broke his wrist, but he was trying to win the National Enduro title, so he raced all the races with a broken wrist, and he's pretty much been junk since then because his wrist has taken years to heal, so I guess oh, okay. he's good now. All right. Yeah. Um, so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I brought up Ronnie Ford on the beginning of the podcast because uh, Racetrack did a profi- privateer profile with him uh, this week. He's a guy, he's 43 years old, he's on a, he's on a two-stroke, he wears fly gear, and He's had a rough go of it. Let's just say that. So Racer X, though, does a cool thing, gives him some publicity. And then this week, JT, he's there's not enough guys for the night show. There's there's 40 guys. And uh, and he's just told, uh, yeah, Ronnie, we're, we're, you're not racing. Which I don't know how I feel about that. because I, f- I feel good about it. But, okay, listen, he does not belong out there. He, no. I, I've talked to him. He's a nice guy. But he does not belong out there. But, mm-hmm. JT, he spends all that money getting there. And, you know, is told I, – I mean, I mean, I guess he got – well, I guess he would get, he'd get his money for the night show. But Well, my opinion is that if he actually had to go try to get a Supercross license, he's, he would not be able to. So – I'm okay with it because he got grandfathered in, and for as long as there is a qualification process for him to have to get in, which there's been at every other round, no problem. You know, the, it's in due course. You know, it's gonna he's gonna be eliminated. Mm-hmm. But to put him out there on the track with the stars of the sport that you know 20, 25 seconds a lap faster than he is. Uh, that's way too dangerous. He's okay. not jumping the triples. He's not jumping the jumps. And he's going to have guys like Tomac and Dungeon, these guys coming up on him so fast that it, it's a huge danger. So I'm, I'm more than okay with him. And, and this is a fly rider. So obviously I, you know, I'm trying to be as nice and and polite as I can, but I think it's very, very dangerous for him to be out there on the same track with those guys. Well, we each got him some publicity on racerx online and then he gets pulled from the race. So, well, let's let's be clear. He would yep. he would not be racing and has not been racing yet. So okay, um, true. Yeah, practicing. Yes, practicing. Right. Anyways, huh? I don't know. It's not that he's not a nice guy. I I have no problem with him trying to qualify. I just think it's way it's it's an unnecessary risk to put him on the track with guys that are going that much faster and and I guarantee you if he had raced on Saturday night there would have been a huge uproar from riders and teams about them going by him in the heat race. Yeah, probably. I don't mind it because I get to watch it and then keep laughing to myself about the road to Supercross every time I see him. I just laugh and laugh and laugh. So, but you can make the argument that he wouldn't he wouldn't the road to Supercross would preclude him from getting in, right? Yeah, they don't care about the road to Supercross. That's my point. Because yeah, they he already had a license. Doesn't, ma- doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Grandfather clause. Doesn't matter. Okay. They would say, "Yeah, you, you're out. You go, go back to road to Supercross." If they truly cared about safety, 
which is what they said it was. It was making sure riders are qualified to race Supercross. So, well, they can't make. Yeah, it. then you got to you got to come up with some some black and white grandfather rule. Like what you're saying is use the eye test and be like, we watched you in practice. You have to go to Road to Supercross, and then you're just going to have somebody say, well, why didn't you say that about anybody else? Well, you didn't look good. Well, what do you base well, that on? They, they, That's the problem. They literally just did that this weekend. You you qualified for the night show. Yeah, you're not good enough. They literally just did that this weekend. They said they there's no rule. Yep. There's no rule to pull them out of the race this weekend. But everyone, you know, and I agree with JT's points. All of JT's points are solid. Um, for once, for once, all his points are solid. <laughs> and they literally set, made up a rule on the spot and said you can't race. And I'm okay no, with they've, it. They've done that before. They've no, done no, that. No, they used to do that. There's there's nothing well, uh, in the there's nothing in the rule book to to do this. They, have they used to do that. it all the time. I used to watch them do it to guys. I saw uh, one of my friends who actually passed away a year ago. Uh, he's had it happen to him. They used to do it to guys quite a bit. They would pull guys out. Right. Um, no, no. And say basically and, and, you're you're yeah, not ready for this and, level. And, and I'm fine with that. So we just saying they can't do the all their their RC road to Supercross because there's no rule. But they literally can't. They can just be, do that because they have done it many times. So yeah. Um. All Fair right. Point. You win. Nice. Um, okay, let's talk Toronto. Um, look, we've been hammering on these tracks uh, for a number of weeks, and um, rightfully so, I feel. But uh, when they do something well, you have to also praise that. And that I think this week, weekend's track in Toronto, although it broke down, and although the guys told me it was down to the concrete uh, in practice, um, and that's still an issue, and that still needs to be rewarded, the design of Toronto JT was good, was fun. There was a quad that only the elite guys could do, and then you, know, you sort of had to risk it in the main event a bit because it was ruddy and crappy. There was whoops that stayed semi-whoops. Mm-hmm. There were some, uh, um, you know, things that challenged the guys out there, and that's all I want each week. I don't want all 80 guys in the night show to do the same thing. That's it. Yeah, I thought, uh, you know, they have a, a difficult task in Toronto because the dirt is is just constantly moving, breaking down. It's ruddy. It's it's actually got some rocks in it too. Um, I had talked to quite a few guys that were saying the Whoops had some really really big rocks in them. Uh, yeah, we saw the you know um, some issues with that over the years with guys getting flat tires at this race. Um, but I think it's tough for them, and and for me, it's just continuing to see new variations of obstacles, which the last few weeks has been a little tough. Uh, this week was was a bit better. Um, that rhythm was pretty creative, the long one. Uh, but like we had seen prior to that, we had seen a lot of the same combinations in the same triple in the same spot and the same 90 degree turn before it. Um, so I was happy with that. It was just, it was different. Um, was it the best track I've ever seen? Yeah, probably not, no. but it was, it had some variety to it and some uniqueness to it. So I'm, I'm okay with it. Yeah. That's all I said. We've been hammering these guys. So it's fair to say, Hey, like, like decent work this week, you know, sure. long start straight. Like I like the chicane. I like that. That was cool. Uh, I do too. I think the you know the inside becomes the outside and vice versa. So yeah, I thought there'd be some more crashes in the first turn, but it was actually it was actually pretty good. Um, all right, so funny race flip flop of last week. Uh, Eli Tomac was ninth after one week last weekend and came through to um, second. Ryan Dungey was ninth this week and came through to second. Tomac won. Dungey won last week. So almost the same race uh, that we saw this week as we saw last week. Uh, just r- flip the rolls. So I ask you, Wygant, which ride, Tomac or Dungey's, was more impressive to come from ninth to second? Uh, 
Man, that's actually a tough one to answer. I think I'll give uh, 51% actually to uh, to Dunge. I think we know at this point when Tomac gets the start he does. It's going to be pretty hard for anyone to beat him. Uh, that even includes, say, Minneapolis, where Dunge was right where Baggett was, you know, right with him, and Tomac pulled away. So it almost doesn't matter if Tomac starts second. Uh, that's not a huge shock at this point. I mean, still credit to him that he's ripping like that, that he could pretty much, if you start top three, you're going to win the race. That's pretty good. But uh, I feel like that was one of Dunge's uh, better rides. Um, he salvaged a couple of these podiums, you know, on not great nights already. But uh, this one was really solid. And maybe it helped it seem like, as you guys were talking about, shockingly, it didn't seem like the track did break down as bad as some of the others. I figured Toronto and maybe Indy would be the worst-case scenario for these time names. And we know that that's been tough on Dunge, the track's breaking down. But uh, it held up a little better, and he he was fine. I mean, again, I don't he wasn't putting any pressure on Tomac, but mm-hmm. it was really good. J- JT, whose second place ride was was better in your eyes, if there was one? Whose second place ride? Yeah, between Wait, AC and Dunge. Was that your question? I thought it was who was better between Tomac and Dunge. No, yeah. no. My question was: two weeks in a row, we saw Eli. We saw Eli Tomac go from ninth to second last week. This week, Dungey went from ninth to second. Okay. So Which who, of the two second place rides from last week to this week was better? Yeah. That, 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 okay. we, were you not operating oh. on that? that? No, I thought you meant who was better in Toronto. Like, what was more surprising? Oh, no. Like, oh. No. Oh, second place to second place? Yeah. So, Tomac, for sure, he got within a second of Dungey at the end. Okay. So all right. That's all I want. Ding, ding, ring like, the bell. I, I, I speak English, right? This isn't English. I've been speaking English, or? Well, you speak the Queen's English sometimes, so oh, it's a little okay. confusing. Right. Okay, yeah, so. you were back home. Accent. Oh, it was good. It was so good. You put a U in, like, color and harbor and Check. all that weird stuff. Check is with a Q, by the way. Tires with a Y. Um, no, no, we don't do that. No. <laughs> you guys are going bastardized a little bit of this, yeah. a little bit of that. <laughs> yeah, we take a little bit of both. <laughs> um, so, you okay. E, D, an E and a D into, like, weirdo, like, YZ becomes YZ yeah. for some reason. Yeah, YZ. Clutch lever. Super strange. Clutch lever. Yeah. Um, Rad Shroud? I remember the first time I, I asked uh, somebody, like, I need some Rad Shroud graphics. They're like, what? Yeah, the radiator. Yeah. Like, yeah. All right. Um, JT, so, okay. So, uh, um, Weech says Tomax. I would, I would have to agree. You know, I thought Dungey did a great job of uh, minimizing the damage. but uh, and, and you could also make the argument that Dungey was further back. Uh, because Tomax really wasn't that far back. He was eighth or ninth, something like that. Uh, and Dungey was he was way the hell back there, but I think Tomac became a legitimate threat to win the race. You know, and and Dungey would probably argue that and say I was I had him under control and blah blah blah. But there was never any doubt. You know, Dungey was never even coming close to winning this race. So um, just on that merit alone, where it, you know it became a race to the finish and there was some suspense, I'll give it to Tomac. All right, and so um, yeah, it's interesting to see we're. Marv was sick this weekend and wasn't great. Um, and I don't know. Obviously, that had a lot to do with his uh, his finish. He, he wasn't very good. Thirteenth for him. Um, but really, like, are we going to get to the point here where these two are going one two now, or is Marv and Anderson like Anderson had a, a foot peg caught in his spokes and then had to stop for for a wheel? But man. I'm almost thinking we're at that point, and I know it's only been two races, and Marv got in between them at uh, um, Minneapolis, but maybe we're at that point, Wygant, where we're, these guys are just able to slice through. I hope not. 
Yeah, I don't know. Uh, if you're Tomac, you're probably a little bummed. The circumstances were pretty good for Dunge to – I mean, you're just thinking, okay, he still makes it all the way back to second. Who would have been able to hold him off, uh, you know, maybe the most effectively? And, yeah, you got to put Anderson and, uh, and Marv potentially on that list. And, by the way, if anyone thinks that there's, like, team tactics or, like, we've got to help Dunge get points, like, we've seen that. Like, Anderson and Marv are going to try to beat him if they can. But – it worked out that Marv was off, and Anderson's bike was literally off the track with broken spokes. So that probably did help uh, a little bit. Um, you know, that's two really good guys that Dungey didn't have to deal with. And then Baggett was riding well, but he fell a couple times. So a couple things. I mean, I don't want to make it sound at all like Dungey didn't ride great. I did rate his second this week better than Tomek's win, but that helped. We saw it happen in Dallas. Those guys don't go down. Yeah, He's got a little bit more of a fight. little depressing. Uh, well, Baggett fell, but and Marv was sick, but, man, Dunge carving through these dudes, JT. Just see ya. Like, depressing, I mean it from a sense of competition from these other guys. Seeley, Chad, Yep. you know? Yeah, and I talked to, uh, just to kind of cover everything you were talking about, uh, I talked to Frankie, um, you know, Marvin's mechanic, on Sunday morning at the airport when everybody was just struggling because it was, you know, 4 a.m., getting through customs. And he was, obviously it wasn't good for Marv, but he was he was happy because he thought that Marv wouldn't even be able to finish the race. Okay. Uh, he said he was just in really, really bad shape, and he was like, man, I, we got eight points when I thought we were going to get zero. Um, so yeah, it wasn't, wasn't awesome, but they, you know, we're putting a positive twist on it. Um, the interesting thing about this whole deal, and, and I was thinking about this this morning and just, and I was running on the treadmill thinking about the race weekend and all that stuff when you're kind of going over things and these guys have to be getting frustrated at this point, because if you really look at how it's gone, you know, Dungey hasn't been dominant this weekend. He was second, he put in a great ride, uh, but he lost points again. Um, he, he was great in Atlanta. That was awesome. But these races are clicking off. You know, we're, we're going through the series, and these guys aren't able to, to bring this gap down, you know. And Marvin was in second place in points um, not long ago. And then Eli is now in second. But the gap's still 24 points, and it's been in the 20s for, for a while now. You know, it's been 25, 27. Now it's 24. And who knows? You know, I would think Eli would be the favorite at Daytona this weekend. But these guys aren't – they're not able to bring the gap down. Well, you know, you could make the case that Eli's the best guy right now, the fastest guy. But on paper, that's not – it doesn't seem to matter. And, and Dungy's just hanging out and we, in race after race. We're, we're going to run out of races here, and these guys aren't going to bring the gap down. And, and Dungy's going to be the champ when you could arguably say that he wasn't the fastest guy. And, and people are going to freak out when I say that, but I feel like a lot of people would agree with that. Yeah, seven left only. We're, we are getting near the end. Um, well, I just, you know, someone said Seeley was going to win multiple races, and that guy's an idiot. And Jason Anderson has not been as good. I don't know why. And just, he hasn't been as frisky. A couple of guys there. Marvin's been great, you know, upside of this weekend, of course, being six. So, um, yeah, like I look at Seeley and Anderson as two guys that I'm like, okay, they're going to take a leap. They're going to make a step, and they haven't. They, they've been good. They haven't been shitty, but there's a clear distinction between Ryan Dungey and Tomac and Marv and everybody else. There's, there just is. Yeah, I think it's too early to, to rule everyone out, because, and, and I definitely think Marv needs to be in there. Obviously, this weekend was an outlier, um, 
but I think Marv needs to be in there. And I still think you're going to see Anderson have a good weekend. Uh, his riding is not terrible. Uh, he's he's easily capable of, you know, he was just on the podium uh, in Arlington. So I think he's still due um, for the right situation. Uh so we'll see how that plays out. I haven't seen enough from Sealy to think he's going to win one. Um, I keep thinking he's going to break out here, and just this weekend he just didn't have it. I will say I don't think that track is ideal for Cole. It was rough, and, I mean, it was just really, really beat down in the main event. I would say Daytona is another one where, you know, it's very unlikely that Cole would win Daytona. Uh, so we'll just have to see how that, that scenario plays out. But I, I do think the three at the top have proven that they deserve to be there. Um, I think Anderson, and, and if everything aligned, I think Reed could win one. But as far as the point situation, it's really leaning towards towards Dungey uh, because he they, those guys seem like you know at the most right now it seems like Dungey minus a crash or mechanical is going to lose five points on a weekend, and that's that's just not enough if you're going to give points back on a weekend like Atlanta. Anderson had a win and like six five other podiums, six podiums total. He's got one this year. Yeah, I really think, and we talked about this a little bit, I think the injury uh, from Motocross Nation set him back a bit. Not, It didn't just completely ruin him, but I think it set him back from that super world-class elite level he was on in 2016. Uh, Brock Tickle. Uh, i got to say, Weege, I don't know how much, I didn't watch the race yet. i got to get on that probably right after this podcast. But uh, Dunge ate Tickle up, which I thought would happen. And he ate him up pretty quick, and I'm like, okay, like he's just gonna keep going. And, and props to Tickle, he actually hung with Dunge um, most of the well, the rest of the race, really. Yeah, Dunge beat him, but he looked like he picked it up. He told me in the press in the post race, he found some lines uh, that Dunge was doing, and uh, Brock got his first ever 450 Supercross podium. And good job by him. Good job to the RCH guys. And I was impressed with Brock's uh, speed at the end after after Dunge got him. Weech. Sorry, I had my line muted there um, to prevent the people from complaining about background noise. I think that track we all know, and the tracks get a little bit beat down and ruddy, that uh, they worked in Brock's favor. And usually this time of year, he starts turning it on. I've just been waiting and waiting for it. Like the way some of these tracks have been, you know, I didn't know if necessarily a podium was coming, but I thought maybe uh, fourth or fifth or sixth was coming. Uh, so we finally got it. And I think for Brock, it's just he finally got a really good start. Uh, which he just about never does. Um, I mean, if he did that again on a track that's pretty beat up, I think he'd get another podium. He definitely did, like you said. Uh, he, he seemed like he was almost lost maybe while he was in second, and then once Dunge got him, that actually helped pull him along a little bit. Uh, these types of tracks, these longer main events, I think that all falls into his favor. I'm just almost surprised it hasn't happened yet, and I wouldn't be surprised to see it happen again. Uh, JT, Chad Reed was good this weekend. Um, he was. He was really good. Yeah, he rode well. Yeah, he, uh, you know, he was coming for uh, for Tickle there um, at the end. Um, yeah, obviously didn't have enough time to do anything about it. But uh, he was great. I thought, uh, I thought you know, Blake Baggett was also great. He threw away a sure podium there, um, which is a bummer. You think? Yeah. I mean, he was the only guy that was on – Tomac's pace. He was the only guy that was actually in a 57. Um, Eli did a 56. Blake was the only 57, and everybody else was 58 or up. Um, so, yeah, I would think uh, that was an easy podium there for, for Baggett that he's tossed away. Um, and I thought Millsaps rode pretty well. He didn't quite have the pace to go with those guys, but pretty solid, uh, not too bad. So, 
there was a lot of guys that were in the running for a podium. You know, Brock got it because he, he did everything he needed to do. Uh, Baggett had it and threw it away. I mean, he was in second by quite a ways there. Um, and he obviously proved in Atlanta they can do it. So, And then Reed, uh, you know, he just kind of ran out of time. He, he was definitely closing there, you know, and I'm sure Tickle was managing it, but um, he was on the pace anyway. Do you think that Baggett gets second if he stays up? I think so. Um, I think it would have been a it would have been a pretty tough battle. But when you look at how close he was to Eli when he crashed, um, I think he had a big enough gap. And if he could keep in touch with Eli, he, he didn't seem like he had any problem with the pace. So um, if he could have kept in touch with Eli, I think that would have kept him out of Dungey's sights. And um, I mean, Baggett's fitness is not an issue, and um, you know he was. Well, kind of marking Dungey last week too. So I, I personally think he would have gotten second. Yes. I don't know. If, I don't know. Like he rode well, like you said. But last week Anderson was coming, and another la- couple laps Anderson would have got him, uh, in my opinion. This week, Bag- Baggett's fish- fitness is not an issue, but I don't know if it's on the level of of these Dunge and Tomac. Uh, last week he charged after uh, Dunge for like you know the second, third, fourth lap. And, and this weekend, same thing. He charged after Tomac, second, third, fourth lap. Um, he was he maintained it at least, if if not gained on Eli. So to me, I saw this race playing a little bit. I saw this race playing out a little bit like last week. If Baggett hadn't fallen, so yeah, I just think his gap was good enough, pretty significant. Um, and I think that would have that would have helped him. I mean, whether or not you know, we we it's complete guessing on whether Dungey would have got him. I just thought their gap was was pretty significant because Dungey was so far back. I think that would have would have kept uh kept Baggett in front of him. Uh we Chase Stallo uh brought this up to me um so round not we're, we're nine rounds down. Six out of the nine main events the winner has led every single lap. That's not good. No, uh I actually put the Subheadline on the site last week: worst stat of the year. <laughs> um, I mean, it's when you take a look at Supercross, as a TV producer Chris Bond likes to say, when you give it the fifty thousand feet view or the thirty thousand feet view mm-hmm. um, from from the airplane, which most of us don't do that. I mean, we are as in the trenches as in the trenches gets, and you think about what someone that kind of casually knows about Supercross and motocross would know. I mean, that's one of the big problems the sport has. Uh, for growth, you know, we don't. We, we consider it a good, action-packed, exciting race. It is pretty lame uh, compared to what other sports have. And yeah, it's true. Like pretty much this year, like most years, you don't have knockdown, dragout battles. Maybe it's been a little worse this year, but uh, in general, this is the way this sport is. We don't talk about it much because I think we just expect it and just know that that's normal. But um, one dude leading all the laps. It yeah. doesn't. As a matter of fact, until Chase uncovered that stat, I don't think any of us had even it had even occurred to us. It no. seemed normal. No. Then you see it on paper, and you're like, "Damn, yeah, I guess yeah. that's right." Yeah, I think Millsaps led two laps, uh, maybe in Dallas, um, and Tomac came from behind in Oakland. But for the most part, there hasn't been much swapping going on uh, at all. No. Uh, and by the way, you would have thought the longer races would have maybe mixed it up more. But as we've seen, it's actually been a little bit of the opposite, where the dudes are either conserving themselves or yeah. trying not to crash. Um, yeah, I mean, disturbing, but normal. So uh, knowing that, we're nine in, rounds into this time format, and I'm always the guy screaming to tr- change things, and I'm giving this a try. 
I don't know, JT. We're uh, nine round. I don't know if this was the answer. Between tracks, racing quality, everything else. Yeah, I think uh, you know I, there were there were some there was a lot of opinions thrown around last year uh, from the stories I was told about how this chase or no chase and time main events. Uh, from the story I got, this was the only change that didn't meet with huge. Um, uh, debate or basically refusal uh, from some key players, uh, and I, but I also think that that was a strategic play too because this these time main events play into those particular teams and riders' hands. Uh, so I, I think if anything, the length of this has uh, you know we're always looking for variation in results and we want we don't want to know who's going to win before going into the race and that's what a chase helps with. But I think the time main events, these guys played a really strong hand of like, okay, you want to make change? Well, okay, you can make that change. We'll go to time main events. How about that? But I think that was strategic in the fact that it almost dictates the results more uh, just because they know uh, the fitness levels and who's going to rise to the top and all that stuff. So I don't know if it's better or worse, but um, I think it's – I think it's better for the fans to see longer races, but I think as far as having any sort of change in the results, I think it it kind of um, I don't know I don't know the right phrase. You're so waffling, you are so waffling. How am I waffling? Yeah, as far as the time main events, it's good the fans see them more, guys. But as far as the change in results, I think it's like, I think it's bad for the results. I think it's better for the fans to see the riders longer. So how is the time main events? From whose perspective? Jason Thomas. Uh, for me, it's better because I want to see longer races. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, can anybody... I'm going to put it this way. Okay. I'm going to put it this way, what I was saying before. If you take the sport and you're somewhat uninitiated, okay, as soon as Tomac starts second and Baggett's in front of him and Dungey's in the back, which takes... How long did that take? 12 seconds? 15 <laughs> seconds? Right. For that to materialize? Yeah. It's over. It's over. Now, there's the one out of uh, every 100 races where that would not work out and Tomac would wash out on lap 18 or something or Dungeon pull off a miraculous comeback. But for the most part, it's over. And how many sports can you really say that about? <laughs> we're 12 seconds in the event. God's done. Yeah. Done. Done. We know done. He's going to win. He's yep. going to lead every lap and he's going to win. Oh, it's I a even... fundamental problem of, of the sport. I don't even want to just say supercross. No. Nah. Dirt bike racing. I even tweeted, I'm like, and it's over. <laughs> I, I, I saw that. And then at one point, he tweeted Tomac up by plus 45 minutes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it just is what it is. Like, that's the way the sport is. And I, over and over, we're always like, oh, I don't we get the respect or the attention. And this is so much better than this sport or that sport. But. That's one major, major, dark, dirty little secret of dirt bike racing. It's often not competitive. Fell needs to come and, in uh, there. Fell needs to come in there. Okay. Basically call all the team owners in, team managers into a room, lock the door. You guys ever see the movie Untouchables? Where Al- uh, Rob- are they going to shoot them? De Niro walks around the, the table with a baseball bat. And and Gendro needs to walk around with a baseball bat and talk about how they they are going to either put a mandatory caution in halfway through the main events, or they are going to go to a shorter two shorter main events or whatever. And then as Gendro walks around, he has a baseball bat and he's just like Al Capone, 
and he's just getting his message through to everybody. Anybody got a problem? And just slack that baseball bat against your hand, and you'll see what happens. So The problem well, I think- is... Go ahead, JT. Speak I was just say I heard that they they really tried to push through some of this stuff, and there were some some industry influencers that really pushed back and basically said no. Yeah, well, too bad. Yeah, well, we heard last week what uh, potentially that Dunge is literally on the fence about continuing to race anymore, based on what the format of the races might be in the future. So that's some real power right there. Uh, the issue we have is, I, and Steve, I'm usually with you on that. You just need to change stuff, and, and you can't have multiple people voting. It's, it, they don't often vote, uh, you know, for what's good for everyone. They vote for what's good for themselves. Um, you know, if you're KTM, you're going to say Chase Format sucks because our guy, Dungey, is consistent. But, you know, the rule changes are supposed to be made, you know, to potentially help over the course of the next 20 years, um, you know, not next season specifically championship. Uh, and by then, Dungey will be long gone. But I do see why it's harder in this sport than it is in others. We are actually lucky. This sport has an economic model, which is there is some money brought in from fans buying tickets. There is some money coming in from television, but not a ton. The majority of the money being spent is from bike manufacturers and sponsors who are making their money uh, off of people buying dirt bikes and buying gear and buying all these parts. They have a significant say in it because they are pretty much funding the racing. The teams are funding the sport, and they're funding it out of their own pockets, not based on fans buying tickets, but based on people buying gear and people buying dirt bikes. They've chosen to support Supercross you know, they could just say, "Well, we're not even going to support racing. We're just we're just here to sell no. dirt bikes, right. and we're going to do more promotions at dealers." They did or that. More I mean, they literally they literally did that when um, whoever came in with the new road race rules. You know, the- absolutely. We have now actually, sadly, seen what can happen. The factories can leave a sport if they don't like the rules. That's exactly what happened in road racing. Now, there, that was a perfect storm where the new rules and the economy collapsed at the same time, and teams were practically begging for ways to not stop spending money. Yeah. It's a little different now, not totally different. But anyway, this sport has this weird model of the racing at the top all the way down to the showroom floor, and the local racetracks are completely connected at all these levels. It's just not as easy uh, to to make changes. Yamaha or whoever, you know, whoever might say we don't want this format, they are the ones that ultimately are paying the athletes to be there. So they have a little bit more stroke and power and influence than they do in most sports where, you know, the whole thing is based on fans buying tickets and watching on TV. And as long as that works for them, well, it works for everybody. Yeah, but still, let's move on. Um, yeah. Okay. Um, JT. Oh, Millsaps dropped back quickly. I talked to him uh, a little bit. His wrist is just hurting him. He said his wrist was bad, so mm-hmm. uh, dropped back pretty quickly. He was, I mean, because a healthy Davey, you know, I don't know if he gets third, but he gets better than what he did, that's for sure, uh, how far back he dropped. Um, uh, Barsha, um, I tweeted this, and I'm going to say it on this podcast. I think, I think I'm going to get Barsha a therapy dog. I think I'm going to get him maybe Porcel's dog, something. He's very angry at someone or somebody, his bike or something. I don't know, but mm-hmm. he is. Uh, he got into it with Baggett. He got into it with Bogle in the main event. He got into it um, with uh, Tickle, and he rode well in the main, by the way. That ninth for Barsha is, is a good start. Nice job by that in the main event, but more so than that, JT, like what, what is the guy doing? 
And look, people know he's not a fan of mine, and what I, I don't care who this guy is. I, this is the stuff that made Anderson upset at me or whatever. I, I don't care. What is he doing? Like, Gallagher at FIM and these teams, they're like, what is this? They're, they're mystified on why this guy feels like he has to ride like this. You talk to me about – you ask me about Barsha – and I'm going to ask you about Freezy. So I'll give you a chance to answer about this same question about Freezy, and then I'll go about Barsha. Freezy does not do what Barsha's doing. All righty. Then we're just going to move along. Okay. All right. Um, I would disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah, I, I, I don't see it. I don't, I don't see Barsha or Freezy tagging up and going for front wheels. I, I don't. You, didn't, you tweeted it. You what? tweeted that exact thing about Brayton this weekend. So how did you not see it? I never really saw what happened there. I didn't. I saw them get into it. Um, Brayton and Freeze got into it, and it looked intense, but I never saw what happened to start it. I, I did not see it. So I didn't, so tweet, didn't, I didn't tweet that. You didn't see Freezy going for his when – when you tweeted that he got away from trying oh, to break his – yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah, but that was – there was something that started that. Whether it was Brayton first or, or Vince first, I don't know. Um, yeah, Vince was going for it twice on Brayton. And, but 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 he was not doing that out of like there was not that was not a normal move something had happened that I missed uh, and, and you sure. did too that was very out of character all right no okay problem. all right no problem I wonder what happened I should text uh I, I am the MCR insider remember I mean it was definitely a very atypical situation for Vince to find himself in. so you just think right. Vince out of the blue you you think Vince out of the blue not Brayton didn't do anything to him. To cause him to do those passes? No, I'm just. I'm asking you. I'm asking you've been a. Okay, you've now been I'm very... asking you. Now I'm asking you. Do you think what Vince was doing, there was nothing that 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 came before that? Uh, I would say that Vince finds himself in this situation more often than nearly any rider on this planet. I haven't been to any other planets yet, so I'll get back to you if I ever do any interplanetary travel. But on this planet, he finds himself in that situation more than nearly any rider ever. Uh, so I would say there are there are reasons for that. So you just think on his teammate Vince was going for the leg, out of the blue for no reason. Uh, I would say from past history, from everything I've ever seen Vince do, and and why he's in this situation all the time, I would say he probably did something to incur it. Yes. Oh, okay. All right. Well, look, I, I'll give you that. Vince has that reputation, and he has pulled some stupid moves off in the past. And Brayton, to my knowledge, has pulled off. Probably zero stupid moves that I can think of off the top of my head. But I, I just don't see Vince reacting like that. Now, rightly or wrongly, like I, I, I'm, I didn't see the incident to say, like, Vince, what are you doing? Why are you doing that? But anyways. Well, it doesn't matter. It's just a – let's look at it in a vacuum. It doesn't really matter what's been done in the past. It doesn't matter. We're just going to no, start. It doesn't. He, he, he didn't party in Temecula with Brayton, and that's, oh, what, and that's what's going on Brayton. right now. Yeah. Brayton is definitely known for being in the, the, the cool guy party, <laughs> party crowd. Scene. Definitely. And if you're not if you're not down with, with the party crowd, you're not down with Brayton. So Tickle Tickle slapped Barsha on the helmet and got the last gate pick in the semi. I didn't see the slap. The guy next to me in the press box did. Did you see it, JT? I didn't. Uh, I saw the aftermath because I saw Barsha freaking out, like, right. looking for an official. So I, that's why you know we were sitting next to each other. I'm like, what happened? And that was obviously what happened. And then but, there was even more in the tunnel, I guess, as well. Okay, but why didn't Tickle get disqualified? Right? Uh, I don't. I don't know. Well, I heard he was. He got last gate picked to the main, right? No, to the semi. 
Okay, to the semi. Uh, I I don't know. I didn't see the. It's it's hard for me to comment without seeing the slap or whatever. I don't I don't know. Right. So you're okay with how Barsha's riding? No, I'm not. I'm not. Okay. Um, I think he's. Uh, but I, I don't think this is anything new either. So, I I think the big difference is that he's going backwards, and I think it stands out pretty. I, I think it the. I think it, one is causing the other. The backwards going. He's going backwards in the races. That's frustrating him. So then he is more inclined to go for the kill on people that are passing him that he doesn't feel should be passing him. Uh, but I also think that uh, this is somewhat normal type riding for Barsha. If you, you know, I know you have your vacuum theory, uh, but I think if you look through Barsha's history, he's he's prone to riding this way as well. Pega got by him and started looking over and going to the inside every turn for like half a lap. It's, he was so scared. Of like yeah, this. it's a vacuum. It's in a vacuum, though. You don't don't worry about that. I thought it was funny. The baggage was like, ah, and then I got to go to the inside all the time, and I got to look around nonstop. Uh, what did you think of Barsha's like there's, you there's like a three-tier thing I'm looking at when we compare the Anderson moves, the Freezy moves, and the Barsha moves. They're not the same. Like, not all aggressive riding, I'll just call it, is the same. Anderson gets the least heat, I know you think, because he parties everybody in Murrieta, but it's because, or Temecula, or whatever these parties take place. I'm going to find out, maybe go to a couple. But Anderson is just trying to make passes and get to the front. It pisses the people off when it happens, but because it's of, like, I'm just trying to race and trying to win and trying to pass you and trying to do well, I, I think that's why he gets the least amount of heat. And it's absolutely, he has gotten other riders mad. He has, even though he parties with them, apparently. He still gets the map. But at least he's doing it for the the core reason for anyone to race in a race, which is to do well and pass people. Freezy does it to stop you from passing him, which is extra frustrating. But I think the Barsha thing almost gets people madder because it's not even either of those. First, he tries to hold you off. He doesn't hold you off. And then he just decides to ram you in the next corner. Even Freezy doesn't do that. Freezy will dirty you to prevent you from passing. But you don't often see Freezy then just ram the dude in the turn after he gets passed. Uh, I mean, they technically did that at Anaheim with Anderson, but I think we all know that was just two bikes in the wrong place at the wrong time. He wasn't trying to take him out. But uh, Barsha, it's like a third rail. Like, I'm not trying to pass you or prevent myself from being passed. I just want to ram you because I'm mad. That's the way it looks to me. I, I, I think J-Bone, at J- I think they, they're frustrated right now. Maybe not that ninth because that ninth is good, but I think they're frustrated. Like, what are yeah. you doing? This has been literally every weekend since he's come back. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Like I said, it, yeah. it's at least with Anderson and Freezy, there's some level of fighting for your position, trying to gain a position or prevent yourself from being passed. This is just a totally different thing. It's just ramming the ram. Um, yeah, yeah. The ram, remember the rest of the ram, the movie? Mickey, yeah, Mickey Rourke was, was the ram. Yeah, yeah, launched his career. Uh, what did you guys think of Justin's move on Justin's? Uh, oh, was yeah. that seen, or was that just something we saw with that whatever video, yeah. surveillance video you got? Yeah, sneaky video. Yeah, yeah, that was another, well, I'm just going to explain to people. So then what is it, late in the main event? Yes. Uh, Bogle, who already has been getting into it with Marvin, uh, and, 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 by and first Marcia. of all, and before we go too far, JT, how bad did Bogle go for the kill on Marv two turns oh. in a row? <laughs> like... He yeah, won. I think that was a definite <laughs> payback from Atlanta. But, but yeah, yeah, it's you got to know what's coming though. I mean, if you want to, you want to start it because I don't think Bogle's 
doing that to anyone out there. I haven't seen Bogle take cheap shots in anyone in his history, really. So you want to start stuff. These guys, these guys are not strangers to taking people out. They just generally choose not to. Right. Um, so. Okay, we each carry on. Yeah, so anyway, yeah, Barsha, I mean, was it, again, like he was just trying to, I cannot let Bogle pass me, so I'm just going to ram him off the track. Basically, what it, it wasn't. Like. It wasn't that bad, but yeah, the RCH guys weren't pumped, you know. Yeah, it was, and, and I'm sure they were extra fired up because what had already transpired over the right. previous hour uh, would tickle. Yeah, it, you know what? The move is similar to I think if if anyone watching 250 main, uh, Jordan Smith got tuned up a little bit there by I think Ferrandis. Ferrandis, same yeah. spot, same yeah. turn. Yeah, so it was a similar move to that, and it's not like anyone was saying Ferrandis should be fined or suspended for what he did. So. The only reason that that Barsha movie we looked at is terribly is if you did not look at like it in a vacuum and said, Barsha's been doing this week after week or forever, and that's what makes it suck. Like, wow. I think completely in a vacuum by itself, you're like, ah, they're battling for position late in the race trying to get in the top ten. But that's not the way it's going to be looked at because it's not looked at in a vacuum. I, uh, I'm not going to Daytona this weekend, but I w- if I was, I would watch Barsha, and that's it. Nothing else because there's 18 dudes that are uh... – Going to try to even score at some point. <laughs> uh, Remember Barsha and Mookie at Daytona? Yeah. I mean, it just, the list goes on and on. Uh, speaking of Mookie, I was a bit disappointed with him, JT. Like, just didn't look good. Didn't have a good weekend. Yeah, it wasn't wasn't great by any means. Uh, I really thought that the fitness would start coming around. And maybe there was stuff going on we don't know about. But, man, I looked up. I, I looked down at Mookie, and I saw – some really, really bad signs as far as body language and head bobbing and zero intensity. And then I looked up at the timer and there was 10 minutes and 35 seconds plus a lap to go. That's bad. So uh, I don't know what the situation is, if if they're working to get in better shape or whatever, but man, he's uh, if he wants to be anywhere near the top five, which I'm assuming you know he would want to be, uh, he's got a long way to go as far as fitness to, to do that. Uh, the riding is fine. I think his speed is okay. He's got all the skills. I think his bike's pretty good, but he has a long way to go to match those guys' intensity. I mean, you look at Baggett, he crashed twice and was still going flat out at the end of the race. And, I mean, they were still doing one-minute 101s with the track just, you know, really, really beat down. Uh, Mookie was in tough shape. So I think Daytona is probably going to be even worse on that because you talk about 21 or 22 minutes. If we look back at last year, we saw him lose three or four spots in the last two laps. Uh, It might be another tough one for Mookie this weekend. Um, All right. Anything else for 450s, JT or Weege? Uh, I just want to talk about Baggett real quick. Um, it looks to me like he's uh, in a situation. He's almost got this speed, and also now even starts a little bit. Like he's not used to having. And I mean, he had it apparently all off season. We heard about it. He was pretty fast in the first couple rounds, but he was screwing up even when he did get the start with some crashes. It looks to me like he's just got to get used to being this good now, basically. And then once he irons that all out. Um, I think he's going to be in there every week, you know, even this week, second. And I think he was trying, trying to keep up with Tomac. Tomac pulled away very quickly. And then Baggett, kind of like last week with Dunge, didn't Baggett hold on to him for a tiny bit? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I think it's like he's just got to get used to He's got this whole new speed limit now, and he's just got to figure out how to manage 
that. And he also isn't used to, I think, qualifying well, getting good starts. He never did that at any point in his career. So uh, I think once he gets used to those things, I mean, the speed is the hardest thing to get. Got that. I think uh, he's going to be really good, even though that I'm sure he's bummed to crash twice. But I don't think that's going to be a problem for long. When Brayton and Freeze, like, after they finished trying to kill each other and arguing off the track and everything else, you know, when they finish the race, and they go back to the truck, is Tony Alessi the calm one? <laughs> is he the one, like, saying, hey, guys, guys, let's regroup here? That's right. We need unity. Unity on this team. Let's get our, Calm down. Let's get our wits together. Yeah, be, uh, listen, guys, this drama, this, this <laughs> drama never helps at racing. My number one rule is to just stay out of the drama. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Keep your Cooler head heads down. always prevail. Keep your head down. <laughs> Keep working. Things will come to you. So. All right, um, this is the uh, Fly Racing uh, Racer X podcast with the uh, wrap-up of Toronto Supercross. Let's get uh, listen to these commercials from Racetech. Use the code PULPAMX17 if you're getting some suspension or motor work done at the folks at Racetech.com. And the Michelin Starcross 5, brand-new tire, brand-new commercial and everything for the uh, folks at Michelin. Michelin Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. We'll be right back with more hot Supercross takes. Hey, thanks, everybody, for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Racetech. The folks at Racetech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PULPMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right? If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Racetech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Racetech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulp Mex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Hi, Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp MX Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hear the motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX Show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting, always a good feature. 
If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them. No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet, you're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. And we're back. FlyRacing.com, everybody. The official gear of Blake Baggett. Killing it uh, out there, as we, as we spoke about. And, uh, of course, the uh, folks at FlyRacing.com, big Trey Kennard supporters. Uh, this is Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas, and myself, Steve Mathis. Uh, JT, speaking of Kennard, went down in practice, hit his head a little bit, um, and uh, hopefully he's back this weekend. But I, 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 bad start for Trey Kennard to the season. Just when we'd seen him, looked pretty good last week. Yeah, he finally had some intensity in Atlanta, so it was a bit of a bummer to see him go down. He went down pretty hard in that rhythm section that bit quite a few people. Uh, man, I, I'm, yeah, it's frustrating for me personally to see him struggle and, and you know, as a sponsor and on every level, really. Um, let's just hope he can, uh, he can come back in Daytona. He rode off the track, so I have to think it wasn't anything too severe. Uh, but I also haven't gotten an update at all. So um, I guess until we get more information, we're all kind of guessing. Uh, 250s, uh, wacko Zacco. Again, it was interesting to uh, to see Ferrandis was up there and Savachi was up there and Nichols looked good. Um, and the two guys on the podium with, uh, with Osborne, Adam Cincerello and Christian Craig, both made mention numerous times how they didn't feel like they rode that well. So... Um, it was a bit, a bit of a weird podium. Like, yeah, um, we're both guys are like, yeah, I didn't ride that well. Like I'm happy, but whatever, you know, um, that was weird. But anyways, Osborne, uh, JT Osborne, Osborne, Osborne right now. Yeah. He's killing it. He's, uh, I mean, he, to me, in my opinion, he is on a slight, he's on a slightly different level than the rest of those guys from what I've seen, uh, Every weekend, really. I mean, you know, he got a third at the first race. So you could make an argument against it, but he was—he's still been the fastest guy every time out there. I mean, I don't know if it's been every individual practice, but it seems like it has been. He's, it seems like he's been at the top of the board every time he's been on the track, no matter what. So, um, you know, the only real hiccup in his game right now has, has been the starts. The starts haven't been awesome. Uh, but everything else, fitness, speed, um, composure, poise, yeah. you know, he just looks like the best guy, in my opinion. And unless he does himself in, big crash, or has a mechanical failure, which is out of his control, I don't see anybody being able to stop him for this championship. 12-point lead going into uh, the the uh, third round, right? No, fourth round. Yep, not fourth. Yeah, um, yeah he... Uh, he looks great. And, JT, so this is just another notch in your Team Alden Baker uh, fan club you run. Yeah, I mean, it's I haven't been really railing with that, but uh, he's certainly making the case for me. Um, I just I see a, a different guy out there, you know, and he doesn't um, – he doesn't look like he has any doubt about whether he's the best guy. So, like I said, unless something changes or goes completely sideways, these guys have a, a rough go if they're going to try to get in between him and a title this year. Savaji really threw it away late in the race. He had a second, looking good, and uh, threw it away. That that hurts. That really hurts. 
Yeah, and Savatsky has a rep of, of putting the heat on himself, trying to make excuses. In fact, he literally says, no excuses. I can only blame myself over and over in interviews. So, my God, is he going to be mad at himself uh, now? You know, some yeah. other dudes yep. will find ways to deflect. He doesn't do it. Heck, when you win the opening round and you still say you rode badly and then you still say it's on you, uh, how do you feel after after this? But this is going to sound so strange, but the points that he lost would seem worse if there was a way to compete with Osborne. But at this point, it's like you got to figure out how to beat the guy first before you can worry about points. Yeah, yeah they, got, they got into a little bit in the heat there, a little bit, a little bit of uh, rivalry building there in the heat. But Joey went down, you know, Osborne checked up, thought he was, Joey was going to check up and go underneath him. So Osborne stopped, and Joey hit his back tire and went down. Um, props to him, yeah. though. He showed up at the press conference. I didn't talk to him, but he was there. That That's good. I'd like to see that. Yeah, yeah. I, I Supposedly, um, I'm not sure exactly the details, but I think he actually had to go – to the hospital after did, the race, yeah. I guess he was a little torn up, and then still came back. Yeah, and then the went to the, to the press conference, right. Yep. Yeah. But that's what you get when you're a rider that doesn't put the blame on anybody but yourself. I guess there's nothing to duck from. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then Chad Reed, Chad Reed calls me to complain about not being invited to the press conferences, and he wants to do press, and he wants to talk more, and, and then he won't, come on, you know, he won't come on the show. He finally comes on the Pulp Show. Then this weekend he rides great and doesn't show up at the press conference. I intend to send a very angry text to him. I'm sure he'll be. I'm sure he'll be really, very, you know, intimidated. But anyways, um, yeah, he cares a lot. Can we? Can we just take Osborne? To me, looks so much like Marvin did uh, in 250 East a couple years ago, uh, where he just. I mean, Bogle was in there and was pretty good, but man, he just is so solid. It's so solid. Like whatever situation he's in, he's just going to handle it. I mean, you saw the first few laps. We were all, oh, what's going to happen if he and Savaji hook up and get a start together? And you could see it was like he wasn't even concerned. He's like, I'm just going to let Ferrandis and Savaji ram each other a bunch, and they're hitting each other, and I don't need to rush. I can mm-hmm. wait. i got plenty of time. And to have only technically won one race at that point, and to have that, I mean, again, I know we go round and around on the Alden Baker thing, but I just don't know how you can argue this type of data. I mean, this is he's just so far above where he's been in the past. And it's no coincidence that I'm comparing him to Marvin two years ago, uh, who was the same way, riding at the same place. It's, I mean, he's, yes, the kind of failure, as JT said, or huge crash. I mean, something could happen, but he's got a pretty firm grasp right now. It's only weirdo racing stuff. I think it's going to mess it up if something messes it up. Um, I believe uh, Ken Roxon would like to have a word with you, Weech, if uh, you're, you're not busy later. I, I know, but go ahead. I, I, I could be like Ross Perot here, and I'll start breaking out the charts. Um, I don't know what it is, but the data just it goes way beyond at this point. You could just say luck. It goes way beyond it. It's fake, and news. It's fake news. Also way beyond. The, I know the argument is always, oh, I'll just get the best guys. He just gets the best guys. He had Carmichael. He had Stewart. He had Villapoto. He had Dunn. He just gets the best guys. But this is an obvious, marked, dramatic improvement. This was the guy that in our preseason thing three weeks ago, we're like, yeah, well, he wasn't as good as Craig or Savaggi last year. He raced them. He, they were better. So he's not going to be better this year. Well, look what happened. For the record, I was always on Wacko Zacko's bandwagon. Well, oh, you're the one that rescued him. I know. You brought him over. Craig, Craig told me that he had another um, Minneapolis moment. Where he kind of like locked up and didn't know what to do. I'm just like, I'm like we, you know, he's like, ah, I rode all right. I had some things happen. I got, I'll take the third after the, the bad race and everything. I'm just like, 
The bigger news to me is, Christian, is what is going on with you? These lockup moments you're having in traffic. Perhaps we need to to work on that or something. So, yeah. Um, you know, uh, in Atlanta, I was over at the Kawasaki truck, and they were like, make some predictions for the night on winners. They're really enjoying it. This all started because I, I put a column in the magazine uh, predicting Tomac to win Anaheim one strictly because no one was picking him. And I'm like, if I turn out to be right, I'm going to look like a damn genius. If you pick Roxon to win Anaheim one, I'd be like, yeah. Everybody picked them. Big Dunge went out high one, yeah. So I picked Eli, and then he struggled. Uh, so even the Cowie guys were having a laugh over me being wrong about their own guy. Um, so then I've been continually predicting winners horribly for them since then. So in Atlanta, I'm like, look at Craig in the whoops, dude. I'm picking Craig. Mm-hmm. And there were some illusions made to Craig being a great rider, but not putting it together. And I was like, you guys, you know why you're saying this? Everybody remembers his dad. And you're just being clouded. He's not his dad. He's a totally different human being. You're being clouded by this. Just, you all want to talk about Mike Craig stories, but just stop with this. But unfortunately, he hasn't proven over the last few weeks to make them look bad or me look right. Darn it. Yeah. Uh, AC. He looks really good when he's good, though. Yeah, but no, he does. When he's together. Yeah. yeah. You know but what, though? Like, with his dad. Hey, we, t- we <laughs> talked about moving him from west to east. And we talked about. I thought, well, maybe he's he's a pretty technical guy. Um, he's a pretty, um, uh, you know, kind of like Marv a little bit, so he can adjust to ruts and bumps and track breaking down and everything else. But I think it's clear now that I mean, hindsight is fifty fifty. But it's clear that they made a mistake putting him on East and putting J Mart on West. Um, and and whatever they had the data at the time. To, data keyword of this podcast to to do that so you know it's easy to look back on that but craig is not adapting as well to these tracks as i thought he would be uh at least based on last year so i don't know should be interesting to see um uh, i was reading the geico honda pr really well done oh yeah yeah great and, job uh, yeah great job on that yeah uh the quote from craig was He's never really ridden a track that broke down like that because he's from California, and he's only ridden west. And the first thing that came to mind is that that's what JT has been saying uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, so, unfortunately, yeah. it looks a little true right now. Um, AC went down in the whoops and was very adamant in the press conference. Yeah, just went down. Everything felt great. No problems with my body. Just knocked the wind out of me. Body's 100%. It's all good. <laughs> it's like, yeah, okay, we got it. We got it, man. <laughs> <laughs> but you, can't, you can't lie. Okay, I mean, that... <laughs> Go ahead. No, Go I was just going to say, I mean, everybody in the building was holding their breath when he went down, right? Yeah. Although I didn't. Including him? Yeah. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't see it. I missed it. So um, was it a good one? Yeah, he went one way in the whoops and then went the other way, and then he went a completely opposite way of that, right. and then that was the end of it. Um but he, he wrote. He There's got some seconds. data against Alden Baker. There you go. There's some data against Alden Baker. I'll give it to him. He won his, he won his first Supercross ever. So I'll take that. I'll take your data the other way and give you. <laughs> he won his first Supercross ever. He also ran over Ferrandis. Just ran him over. Yeah, he probably had that coming. Ferrandis has made some dudes angry. You want to be from another country and jump in and start slamming dudes? It's not going to go well. Because you're not partying in Temecula. You're not. You're not partying with these guys. Oh, you know. Um, right, JT. Though there, there's some dudes that are, that have his number. For oh yeah, sure. he's got some coming. <laughs> no question. Yeah, uh, he's lucky that he didn't fall down in front of Savachi because Savachi would have probably ran him over like Adam did, and then backed up and done a you run yeah. over him again, and then wheelied on top of his Jordan head. Jordan Smith's going to be looking for him. 
Yeah. Um, now he's not making friends. That, all that stuff he's doing right now is going to come back on him because he's doing it to everyone. So, um, I mean, he's riding well. He's getting good starts, which actually the good starts might be a problem because if he can't, if he's not good enough to stay at the front, he's opening the door for all these guys just yeah. to light him up. Yep, he did. He did lead four laps though, so that's that's you know that's good. He's riding good. Yeah, yeah. I just I don't know that there's a lot of longevity in the way he's going about it. Uh, Nichols was the only 2D guy consistently doing that quad, which is cool to see. Uh, got fourth, so he crashed when he was all over Adam. Though he was kind of lining up AC to pass him there, I think, and then and then went down at the beginning of it. But he's rode rode, rode well. Um, what else? Um, Oh, R.J. Hampshire broke his leg on the last lap, and he'll be out until outdoors. So the Geico guys are going to fill fill that spot in, starting in Indy. So I don't know who they're going to pick, but because J.G.R. is going to need a guy, because Peters is done. Peters got eighth. Good job by him, but he's got to go to Australia. So that's officially going to happen. So Geico and J.G.R. will be fighting over 250 dudes. It's a good time to be a 250 guy. Uh, uh, Peters gets said he was racing Daytona, right? No, I, I heard he wasn't. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! That changed. I think I so. In Atlanta, he said, "Now he's on through Daytona." I know, and then uh, somebody oh. like Anton or somebody said, "Yeah, no, he's out. This is it." Like, 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 like they knew, you know. I did happen to see because they're going to need a 250 guy in the West also because poor Phil is out for quite some time. Um, so uh, J Bone showed me last week. I mean, they had to. They literally had to make a chart, like a spreadsheet, with like every. Pretty much every rider with a pro license. Ronnie Ford might even be on it. Like anybody with a pro license and trying to figure out Dude. who's available well, just for what. Start, I mean, they need many, many, many riders. Just start walking by J-Bone's office. That's all it seems to take what it takes. Just walk by. Um, <laughs> That's what it sounds like. Honestly, if you're Kyle Cunningham, you quit the uh, Boo Buffalo team, Cunningham's just going to be the guy right now. Like that would be somebody I, I'd get. Huh, JT? Like, yeah, I think that's happening for – a certain team. I think Cunningham's on his way, right? Um, no, not officially. No, 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 not officially. No, but I. That's that's j- happening. I I would think so, except the red team also got a call, so I'm confused. Um, all right, what else? Uh, McAdoo. I'm all aboard the McAdoo bandwagon. I give me McAdoo stock. Kid's good. He's yeah. good. Yeah, he's good. Yep. Um, Amart fell late in the race, so got 15th. Amart was around 6th or 7th, I believe. Uh, he told me that his arms pumped up really bad. That was a bigger problem than his crash, was his arms pumping up. So, um, It was a rough night for him, and, uh, and, and finally Jordan Smith had what, what I think everybody feared. Like He was really good in the first two races, but it was like, yeah, but... You need a little more, I'll go back to the word, a little more data. He's been inconsistent in the past. It was like, could he string together four or five of them? And then, you know, it wasn't great. And then it, I had an assist from Ferrandez to make it worse. Yeah. But uh, that hurt. Yeah, so this is round three rounds down going into, no, two rounds. Three rounds down. This is the third race. Yes, yeah, going to the fourth. Right, okay. I'm, I'm, right. I'll be all right. I'll, I'll figure it out. Uh, Renslin had a rough night, finally. Uh, he'd been good to start the year. He had a rough night, uh, 18th. I'm not sure exactly what happened. Um, Crashed in the whoops. Fast, fast Freddie Norn had to go to the LCQ. So, Freddie told me he wasn't he was sick, too. Yeah, he was sick. Yeah, he told me he wasn't feeling that well. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Uh, Cade Clayson came up just short again. So, congrats to Cade <laughs> on that. That LCQ was spectacular, though. It was. Man. It was. That was good. Uh, cool. 
Yeah. Alex Ray was out of control. Out of control. <laughs> and JT and I were like, watch him. Front end up, back end kicking out on him. Just pinned to get into the main event. And he went down, though. So, and then, and then, like how a, big is this for uh, A Ray to get this uh, Rock River ride? That, that that's big, right? I think so. Yeah, I think so. But honestly, he's got to get in better shape. Like once he makes the mains, he he struggles to do the time main events. And I told him that. Like he he's he's a good rider, but yeah, he's got to get better in better shape. But I don't know how you get that uh, in the middle of the season at round ten. Have him call Mookie. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so let me ask you guys this. So on track walk, uh, Alex Ray and I are with Mookie. Ralph's there, by the way, too. Weege, Ralph's right there hanging out. Um, and we're talking to Mookie. So what? let me ask you guys this, all right? So we're talking about Mookie being a privateer and whether he's not or this and that, and Mookie's telling us all the stuff he pays for and this and that. And everything's going well. Mookie goes to me, is this where that DMX is from? Right? What do you guys think he means? Weege, Go. Wait, what were the letters? Is this where that DMX is from? That's what he said. Oh, that, this is really a vexing one. This is a vexing one. It's almost like the logo on Brock Tickle's pants. This is a vexia. Uh, uh, you meant direct just motocross. Go with, uh, I'm going to go with direct motocross just to try to be politically correct here. You guys are such jerks. He meant direct motocross. You guys are such a-holes. So... He asked that. I'm going to be politically correct here. He asked that, and then ah, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm not. I'm not. It's a funny story. He says that, and then A. a Ray goes, "No, that's Drake. Drake is from Toronto." And Mookie's looking at him like with the strangest look, and I'm like, "He knows who Drake is, you know? He's into rap." And uh, and then I'm like, "No," and DMX is American, bro. And Mookie looks at me with the strangest look, and he's like, the website. <laughs> and, I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, I just racially profiled you. I thought you meant the rapper. <laughs> he, he was dying. He was dying. He thought it was really fun. I'm like, I'm supposed to know that you think a Canadian moto website, like, like that's going to come to your mind. Like, you know, I'm just, oh, it was funny. We were, I knew exactly where you were going with it. I was not I know, going to do what I know. you did and go there. I know. But to help you out a little bit, to defend you a little bit, to defend you a little bit, Mookie throughout his entire life has kind of admitted that he's somewhat on the fence of being like a motocross guy. Like, yeah. if it was up to him, he'd go fishing. Yeah. So he's already not in the category of someone who's like a super fan. No, would be Adam, Adam Cincerillo. Adam Cincerillo asked that question. I would know exactly he means the website. Yeah, Zacco, all day long. Right, website. Yeah, right. But that's not the category Mookie's usually in. You, I, I wonder if he even knows what race Rex or trans world is. Sometimes. That's what I mean. Just because, yeah, yeah, he's just, he just rides, he has fun, he would rather be a fisherman. So I'll give you a little bit on that, but dude, you can't go there, come on. I just, I racially profiled, I couldn't believe it. Uh, <laughs> yep. I'm like, yep. I'm like, my bad. Ralph was like, oh my God. I'm like, that's nah, fine, man. I'm sorry, bro. I, I, I would oh, not hurt this whole thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Ralph loved it. Yeah, it was, it was great. Uh, I love how I love how I like it when I, I like it when people who uh, I keep going back to this when Blake Wharton was in studio on your show and you and I were arguing over Freezy. I just like it when people who don't see any combination of the three of us argue or say the things we say. They're not used to it. 
when they just get it like full frontal. I, I love the reactions. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, bro. <laughs> just thought he, you know. Um, he's making me lose my mind all up in here. In here. No, I never. Oh no, you're acting a fool. Yeah, I was acting a fool. <laughs> um. All we, right. We start barking. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to call my MCR sources and find out about this freeze and Brayton thing for my column. And Do you really need to? Do you really need to? Well, I can't call Brayton because he'll just give me one side because he, you know, he parties with everybody. Well, Vince will definitely be unbiased. <laughs> no, I can't call Vince either. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. What? What? <laughs> so you're saying there's a chance. You need to investigate just to make sure that Brayton just didn't all of a sudden road rage and just get pissed off for no reason. I think, case that was- I think Vince is smarter than that on a teammate, on a guy who's faster than him. A teammate. They hang out. They party? I don't know if they party, but um, anything else? I think there's already been some hints from Brayton that Freezy is – Frustratingly hard to pass, yes. even for him, yes. even though he's his teammate. Yes, yes, there has been. I don't want to. I don't want to pull something out of the vacuum, but put that in there. Put that okay. in the vacuum. Most surprising rider, two fifty East Coast after four races. I'll go first. I'm gonna go McAdoo. I knew nothing about this kid. Nothing. He's only twelfth in the points. It's not like he's killing it, but he looks good. He had one bad race, so. I knew nothing about McAdoo because I don't follow amateurs. They're dumb. So I'll go Cameron McAdoo. That's my guy. Now you're making me – got to look up the standings now. I, I hate when you pull these surprise, surprise questions. Well, you know what? It's really not fair. JT, let's go. I am going to go Colt Nichols. Because of the femur, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. He's riding – I mean, I watched his first practice, first couple of practices at Minneapolis, and I'm like, oh, my God, he mm-hmm. needs to not be here. Bad. Right, and he has really turned it up, and he probably would have got on the podium had he not crashed. Okay. I would say that was almost a guarantee. Can we can we find out if he really broke his femur, or did he, you know, bruise his femur? Uh, I feel comfortable with that he broke his femur. I mean, what happened to to medicine where femurs used to just put you down? You know, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, femurs are weird though because you can come walk a long right? way. Okay. You can walk right away with yep. a femur. Yeah. Yep. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, Maybe. he's obviously not. I heard he's in pain still, but okay. uh, he's riding great. So I'm going to say big yeah. surprise. No, him. absolutely. Maybe he just bruised it really good, though. All right. You should call no, him. No, I talked to him about it. He said, uh, said um, Swanee got him hooked up with some, I don't know, hyperbaric chamber or something like that, which is very pricey and some very painful therapy. And, uh you know, forced him to do. He thought when he he broke it, he did break it, and he's like, "Well, that's it. I guess I'm going to go home and chill out for a couple of weeks." Yeah. You know, with and just recover. And they were like, "No, you got to do this, this, and this, and it's going to help." So I think there's a couple of injuries that probably over the last 20 years or so, you hear the same thing about ACL tears. Mm-hmm. The therapy part, I think, has come so far where they now know. Right. You got to get that thing moving. You know, within literally hours or a day. JT, um, when Bonnie when Bonnie broke your tip fib, you were watching in the stands that night. Uh, the the next night. The next night. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you were yeah. up, you were up was, and about with your tip fib. I was in a wheelchair. Um, yeah, I was. Uh, well, I was waiting to fly home to have surgery on it. But yes, I was watching the next night in a lot of pain, and and I was. I would say, 
very medicated would be a fair assumption. But I also used a uh, hyperbaric chamber on my knee. Chad Chad owns a hyperbaric chamber, so um, I use that as well. It does help quite a bit with swelling and a lot of things. Aren't you claustrophobic, though? Uh, I'm not claustrophobic, but if you're going to be claustrophobic, don't ever get in that thing. That's what I mean. I would never get in there. That's like super freaky. Yeah, I mean, it has a window, so you can see out of it, Ah, but it's definitely definitely, uh, not suggested for any. If if you're even in the realm of claustrophobic, don't get in that thing because you have to be in it for a couple hours, and it's like basically like a coffin. Yeah, no, it's like an MRI machine. And I freak no, out. No, but way smaller, way tighter, and that you're in this like tube that zips up. Like it's like right. MRIs are at least open air. Like it, you're tight, but this thing, you're they zip you up, you know, to to create the chamber, and it's not not great. I mean, they used to leave me in this thing. And they'd just be like, "All right, we'll see you in a couple hours," and they'd be I'd be down in the in the uh, shop by myself for like a couple hours in this chamber with my phone if anything started going sideways. <laughs> not, not awesome. Can you not get out yourself? Like, there's no way to escape. You can, but it's tough. Like it's all you're zipped in, and then it's velcroed over, and uh, it's it's not. Yeah, not no, I, no way. I'm not. I'm out with that. No way. So, but we I'm need like to... waiting for the '80s horror movie where that's just what that's just how the guy killed somebody. Right, right. That's okay, perfect setup. Surpr- yeah. Surprise, J. T- uh, yeah, well, uh, I told you a few weeks ago on the three-on-three column that there is no rule that if someone picks someone, you can't also pick them. Uh, yeah, looking through these standings, uh, if it's a positive surprise, right, uh, I'm going to agree with Nichols. It's not only that he made it to the races, but he's borderline as fast as anyone else, like maybe not quite Zacho speed, but yeah. he's fast enough to even win a race if the circumstances break right, which I would have not thought, even uninjured, I wasn't sure if he'd be that's that what, good. That's what I'm telling so, you. He did not break his femur, he just bruised it. I'm telling you. Okay. Just you just got a, like got a, you. you got like a bruise like a, like a it turned purple for a little bit and that was it. And hematoma. Yeah, yeah hey, hematoma. GP, that uh, that uh, leg break was that the U.S. Open? It was. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I always remember that. That was one of the yeah these dudes are motorcycle racers moments for me because I saw you you literally were just like you broke your leg and then I saw you wave off whoever came over John Gallagher or somebody you're just like yeah I just need to sit right here on this tough block for a second and <laughs> like and, and in any other walk of life if someone had broken their tip fib they'd be freaking out but I could just see your body language like yep leg's broken I just need to sit down here it is what it is um and I'm like that's a motorcycle racer well, he was he was just, probably planning on trying to try to get Bonnie back in the next lap when he drove went around him and he was going to jump on him and then break Bonnie and then break Bonnie's leg. <laughs> he was going to hey JT was going to like Lieutenant Dang like crawl crawl towards Bonnie. <laughs> now, it's one of those things it was just like uh when um Derek Carr broke his like I knew it was broken. Yeah. Like it was just like yeah, the, yeah, I'm I'm broke. I'm going to need uh, I'm going to need some help to get out of here so I'm just going to hang here until you guys can get me help <laughs> i've never seen someone take inventory of a, of a very painful injury that quickly and that professionally yep <laughs> leg broken just gonna sit down right here i'm good yep um okay hey, were you and bonnie on the same team at this time we were, yeah oh yeah oh how did that go uh not well that was uh that was the beginning <laughs> of the end interesting. interesting well my my biggest problem and where the the real Issues came with me and Matt was that we were on the same team. We were in adjoining hotel rooms, so he was basically like the next room over. We, we, if we'd opened those side doors, we'd have been in the same room. 
and he never said a word to me. Never, he never said, man, I'm really sorry. I knew it wasn't his fault. He didn't mean to do it. He never said one word to me about it. And that was pretty much when I wrote him off, I was done with him after that. So, wow. Oh, he said he was Bob Gnarly. Uh, well, he's, he's, uh, gnarly. He's not a bad person. He just made a poor choice there. I think he was, I think he felt terrible and was scared to talk to me about it. But all I wanted him to say was like, man, that sucked. Uh, my bad. You know, and they never, never did anything. So whatever. Uh, Long time ago. Who wins Daytona this weekend? I go Eli Tomac first. Boom. I think he, he I think he's the favorite for sure. Weege? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and Zach. Weege, you going to a dirt bike race this weekend? I know Mathis is out. He hates Daytona. <laughs> Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. We're once again not going to connect. Yeah, I'll be at Daytona. I'm actually going to go to a couple. Oh, no, I'm wrong. I'm actually not going to Indy. Oh, no, shocker. Shocking. Yeah, I'm actually not going. Shocking. Not going to Indy. Yep. 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 Not going to Indy. Yep. Amazing. Just amazing, folks. Jason Wygant hating Supercross right now. We had a great uh, text discussion. And, again, if these things ever get out, we're just all in jail, fired, divorced, you name it. Um, I mean, I really hope there's not some hacking going on. Uh, but there was a very big discussion about uh, about this type of thing over the weekend. It's very good. Yeah. yeah. Mathis basically says you need to every you, JT and I should be free at all times, go to all races, and then do podcasts at noon Sunday. That's Shouldn't your job. Your J O B. Do your job, like Bill Belichick says. That's your job. Uh, my job is not to you know, be available for any time you want me to be. Sorry, that's not my job. Okay, you get yeah. a little bit of a pass. We just not. Listen, I've heard, I've heard that even in this industry, there are even mechanics who once took issue with their bosses for saying, you can't just say that every hour of the day is within my job as a salaried employee. Every hour of the day has to be available. <laughs> I've even heard that even on the mechanic level, that there are people who are very upset over the, it's your job to basically work seven days a week at all times. Those guys sound like heroes. Those guys sound like heroes. They sound like yeah. they sound yep. like they should be minted. Yep. Maybe made a statue. Wait, wait. I was just at a race. It was just at a race, and I just got back, and I have to start working again, and I've got to work the next day, right? Yes. Okay, wait. That's your job. To be fair to you two guys, uh, you have the Daytona Supercross, you have the uh, RC Supercross, you have the GNCC, and you have an ATV quad race that Fly Racing is a title sponsor of. You both are pretty busy in the next week or so correct right you're both staying there and everything jt are you sure. gonna do that i think sunday will be pretty easy for me to pull off though because it's just an amateur race i don't it's not like i have to actually do anything i'm just saying i'm just saying you guys are gonna spend some time on the road here i think i don't know but and then so but yeah um, you know what though that's not even why yeah i i do have to be in daytona for eight days friday to the next friday however that's not even why like i'll just say it right now like back when i was but back when I did not have children, not even before I was married, back when I did not have children, even when I was married, it was fine. I had no problem going to all the races. I still don't. I still enjoy traveling. I used to make that Daytona trip ridiculous. I used to be there for like two and a half weeks between Atlanta Supercross and Daytona and GNCC opener and whatever. Like, I was fine with all of it. This is this is the balance and compromise that comes with being an adult. Well, it's got like, nothing to do with me not wanting to travel or go to races. Like Bill Belichick says, do your job. Next man up. Next man up. That's what we'll do. We'll start. We'll just make that program on the Fly Racing Race Rex podcast. Just do your job. Next man up. On to Cleveland. Gotcha. We're on to, well, we're on to Cincinnati. Uh, by the well, way, the JT. The goal for those guys is to uh, play until they're about 30. 
And yep. then at that point, they can uh, do whatever they want uh, all the time, which JT, doesn't quite work out in our JT, industry. congratulations to Fly Racing's own Sean Simpson on the one moto MXGP win. I'll take it. I will take it. And just to uh, clarify, Supercross main events are only one moto format, too. So I have no problem with the one moto format. No, I, no I didn't mean that. I was just, yeah, I didn't mean that in a derogatory way. Like, Simpson won. Yeah, they, they, had, they canceled the fourth moto, and it looked like it was a good decision. Good God. It didn't look good. So Yeah, I'll take it. That's a that's a big deal for uh for Sean and the team and yeah, yeah. everybody. So. Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome. Um All right, everybody. So that's it for Wygan and Thomas on this podcast. They uh I'll come in next week with two two other people who want it. Who want it real bad and uh and everything else. And you know, we'll try to get some people who maybe appreciate this podcast and everything that that, that, that happens on it. So Well no, we'll be at the race after, and uh, you'll be at home. We'll yeah, duh. What? You mean the week after? We'll both be at Daytona. This is perfect. Oh, okay. All right. You got me. Yeah. All right. After Indy, you go ahead. Yeah, after yeah. Indy. So whatever you guys want to say, say it next week. Say your farewell speeches. And then that we'll go from there. Um, flyracings.com, Jason Thomas. Racer X's own Jason Wygant. Uh, thanks, boys. See ya. See ya. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and Magoo was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't have been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like beating a dead horse. I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, didn't anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled fifth and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day.
for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny O'Mara. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey.